good to be back indeed. It is. It is. It's been too fucking long. It has been too fucking long. And, and for those of us who uh, who have followed us in the past, you know to expect little to nothing. <laughs> Except for the sound of beer bottles <laughs> being emptied. <laughs> That's right. And we will uh, wax poetically and crack-wise throughout. Um, but uh, this is the Slice and Dice podcast the official podcast of PopNinjas.com, number one. Or, mm, We're like if the, you're one of those French guys. It's like the DC New 52. Yeah. We, are, we are brand new. <laughs> That's right. clean. It's an all-out reboot. Whatever you remember about us, forget it. Forget it. Uh, what I'd like to forget is, is uh, whatever that was that was in the front row of the movie theater. Well, but they, I have a feeling that's going to haunt my dreams for years. They, the, the four of them, even though the final two were there was, it was like, when you knew you, you've been that three-move checkmate and you've just been suckered into it, <laughs> where you move your pawn just wrong and boom, you're like, son of a bitch. The bishop is lined up <laughs> and there it is. And... What we saw, we can't unsee. And I've seen it four times well, that's now. See, at first I thought maybe this was like, you were like Big Bird and this was like the Snuffleupagus. Only you've seen it. Uh-huh. And, and, but the last two times, I'm like, I saw it once out in the lobby. I know I have a big nose, but compared then, to the Big Bird's well, beak, dude. And then today, sketchy. it came in our theater. And now I was starting to feel just unsafe. <laughs> I don't know. What? Well, is it... I personally it, think it looks like Grandpa Simpson in a in in, in a, a dress, dress with its hair up and a beard. Yeah, <laughs> and really white hair. Yeah, but it wears its hair kind of up in a bun, but then in a ponytail, pulling out of it. Yeah, but it's in a white dress. Every time I've seen it, it's in a white old person dress with a floral print. Yeah, and it walks really slowly, but it's got. A really nice, nice white beard. <laughs> and, and today it comes in the theater and it sits down. Oh, we're, we're, we're about well, midway It up. doesn't sit. It well, hovers it, and it drops into the sea at a velocity <laughs> kind of like what Iron Man does in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and the people right behind it, you can see them kind of, they jumped from the ripple effect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it sits there, and like clearly it, not, it locked the wind out of whatever it was. Because <laughs> they had to regain it. It starts coughing like gone. I'm like, oh my god. That was disturbing. I thought it was, it was like an episode of Freak Show. <laughs> Why? Because then it's Handler, who was a heavy she girl. Was, she, was, uh, she was pleasantly plump. Yeah. Goes and talks to this other couple, because of course they chose that row that's not the front section, well, the, the row, wheelchair section. The right, wheelchair. the wheelchair section, right before. So, and there were another couple, apparently they knew who came in and grabbed the other side of the wheelchair section, which was big, tall, oriental dude in a wheelchair, and its handler, whatever that may be. Uh, and if we're offended you for the use of handler, you clearly. <laughs> clearly we watched you. That. Yeah, you clearly not, <laughs> you clearly uh, don't know us, or just you, you weren't there. Okay, you weren't there. <laughs> so, and then 
what's funny is we're going walking in, and there's this mom and her kid. Go to turn. I'm going to walk by, and mom was angry, and kid looked like little Jonathan Lipnicki or whatever his name was from from Jerry Maguire, and she looks at says. Is this, is, Iron is this Iron Man really well, angry? Actually, no. This is the the hallway leading to the theater. True, Iron Man. But <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess yeah. She, huh, and she turns around, and storms back in. Yeah. Like it's the two D version. It's okay. I'm cheap. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. It was joy. Uh, <laughs> and, but then that kid's talking the whole way through well, the that movie. That was the kid, was it? I or thought was it was it? the kid. Uh, well, well, there was a kid, but I didn't know if it was that kid. I thought it was. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't. I don't know. But then there was another scene where everyone's laughing, and then somebody's proceeding to try to shush the laughter. laughing. Oh, my God. I've never seen anything like it. No. And then they let their kid ramble on. Oh, well, yeah. Nah, who cares? We'll get it. We'll get into, uh, into our discussion of uh, Iron Man 3, which kicks off the summer movie season. We'll, we're, we're officially here. We're officially here. Um, we'll get into that a little later. Um, got a little bit of uh, a little bit of news out there to discuss. Um, yeah, you know what really you know what really grinds my gears, Dan. What grinds your gears, Peter Griffin? Uh, what really grinds my gears is um, is all this reality bullshit. Reality, we use that term loosely. That the Dumbed down, idiotic, teenage, no responsibility set is just latching onto now. And I blame things like MTV for this bullshit, no VH1 and all that stuff that just feed you this mindless, useless, of benefit to no one crap mm-hmm. on TV. And, and today's young people just suck it right up. Well, in effect, what they're doing is turning the talentless into celebrities for their lack of talent. It, it treats them like they have talent. And their talent is being talentless. Right. <clears throat> it's watching the train wreck. And, you know, I, I, I should say, I should say that, that I'm, not, I'm not against every piece of it. I'm, I'm against the tabloid piece of it. Mm-hmm. I think that there's there's a a market for shows like uh, Top Chef or Face Off, where, where you're putting actual skills to a test in a competition. You're putting the skill to a test of their own skills to see who can do it the best. Right. And as much of a train wreck as, as American Idol is, there, at least there's still some sort of of talent competition involved there, where the where the end. Uh, um, the end game is to find a talented person, but turning people like the the, the Jersey Shore the crew Jersey into Shore celebrities is an Kardashians. Yeah, Kardashians. That's great. So what we have is somebody who became a celebrity because she was sucking Ray J's dick, and her she and mom helped release the tape, and boom, right, instant celebrity, and people worship these guys. Yes. It's horrible. It is horrible, and I. I want to throat punch anybody who actually like follows this stuff religiously, mm-hmm. and, and it's like, oh, oh, Kim, Kim's this, or Kim's upset because she got fat with her pregnancy again. Who fucking cares? Yes, I don't care. Why would you care? And it just irks me that people latch onto this bullshit. What I love about the whole thing too is not only are they latching on it, then there's this. 
sudden backlash against Kanye because of it, too. Look, they're all douchebags. Yeah. Let them all hang out together yeah. and do whatever they're going to do. Yeah. I see it this way. I, I see it no different as dropping the chum in the water with a whole bunch of prana and seeing yeah. what gets torn up. Right. It means nothing to me. Now, all these people can go away. Absolutely. And, and, and I'm, I'm turning over a new lease. With our reboot and all this kind of stuff, I don't care who I fucking offend anymore. Oh, God, no. It's like, if you watch the Kardashians and the Jersey Shores and the one we're about to talk to, the... Uh, uh, was it the pregnant teen, teen mom, mom or whatever like that? You're part of the fucking problem. You're an idiot. Yep. Get off my freaking podcast if right. that offends you. My guess is they're not listening to us anyway Probably because we we we've made it quite clear in other times we've discussed things that we have no use for this type of person. You're just you're an idiot. that they're somebody that doesn't need to think about what they're watching. Grow up and get some freaking responsibilities for crying out loud, mm-hmm. fucking assholes. Anyway, it brings us to this rant I want to go on about freaking teen mom, Farrah, Farrah Abraham, Abraham. Who, uh, who who made her, her fame and fortune as being the pregnant, what, 16-year-old? 16-year-old mom on MTV, which only MTV will turn this into yeah, celebrity. Yeah. Look, I, I have no Look, issue. I'm a white trash uh, girl who got knocked up at 16. Right. I'm going to uh, give me all sorts of money and watch me go through my And drama. I'm sure MTV's spin is, we're showing how difficult it is for oh, these people. Fuck you. No, you're not. You gave them a TV show. You're not showing them how, that, how difficult it is. Because you know bloody well the MTV zombie that watches your channel right. ain't seeing past the fact that, wow, they have their own show. Right. So, we have Team Up. Teen Mom, Farrah Abraham. Um, Who's been a shit show since that show went away, too. Right. She's been busted for OUI. Oh, all sorts of right? She's she's mother of the fucking year. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, she's going to be a great role model for whatever spawn she's bringing up. Um, if I if I'm uh, freaking health and human services, I'd have taken that fucking kid away from her mm-hmm. just for the bullshit she's gotten into since. But regardless, she's decided that she's been out of the freaking limelight a little too much, so she needs to gain her celebrity back <laughs> back <clears throat> by. Uh, I see what you did there. Yeah, you see what I did there <laughs> by uh, by making a porn video. Yep. Um. Which, of course, and again, again, they're going to sort of uh, cloud this over, shadow this over with a, uh, uh, oh, it, it, it accidentally leaked. You know, mm-hmm. that story. Bullshit, it accidentally But here's the idea, though. If you're going to leak it, mm. at least tell the lead actor that that's your game. Mm. Because when she was going to leak it, rumors just came out. The interview with James, James Dean, right? I think it's the porn star who was at yeah, it, right. happened. And he was not part of, he wasn't on the inside of this joke. He was and just he's like, in his paycheck. Yeah. He was like, no, we, we, we did it. We shot the film. Those camera crews, it was everything. So include everyone in your lie if you're going to lie. Right. Instead of, but in her defense, it wouldn't be the first person who's had success from their quote-unquote tape being leaked. Right. Again, we reference Cardassian. Yep. It's hard Paris for me to... Hilton. Right. And, and Grin, Paris had her millions, but she gained fame, more fame right. from it. Right. And certainly that Jenna chick from Survivor, this was her angle she and her husband were trying for a few years ago. Their mistake was locking down the web address they were going to sell Did it Did Jenna under. from Survivor do that? Yeah, oh, she was hot. The one from New Hampshire. She and her husband locked down the the the, uh, 
the domain name a week prior and didn't cover their tracks. So they went through the whole bullshit about a, a videotape of our wedding night or something oh, leaking. that's right. And then people are like, they traced the money trail and yeah. said, well, the domain for that's like back to your personal accounts. Right. Story went away. That was that. The tape came out, but this story's gone, essentially. Right. Um, so anyway, this fucking cunt is... Yeah. That's what she is. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. She's an absolute cunt. And, and, yep. and her mom and all these other people that, that are freaking enabling it and gravy training off it are part of the freaking problem, too. And all of you should just freaking die of gonorrhea right now. Yeah. Well, I, I, and the whole story... Look... I'll say, I have no issue, I get, that there are going to be some people that are going to get knocked up, and they're going to turn to these kind of things. And far be it for me to trash this industry, which I will admit to personally enjoying to a certain extent. However, you just really need to watch the way you're going about it. For me, it's the entire angle this chick took. She was basically going to pass this over on everybody Mm -hmm. as a scam. A scam that netted her about a million dollars from Vivid. Yeah, yeah. Well, I oh, I don't blame the I don't blame the porn industry. Hell no. I, I don't even blame her. Mm-hmm. I blame the idiots that freaking watch it. Right. Because that's the only reason she's getting an audience. No question. And getting money. She got a million dollars. She got a million dollars to to make a. a and how old is she now? 20, 22, 23. 22, 23 years old. Made a, a million dollars from a company for just sticking their ass in the air for for an eight hour shift, mm-hmm. making a movie because people want to see her do this because they worship her. All right, they worship the sixteen year old that got knocked up and made a and made a drama queen of herself on MTV. Yep, no question. The people that watch that, they're the problem here. Yep. Yep, you have no argument for me. And I love how creepy it is that she drug her father and her daughter to to the Vivid. Especially when... Daddy must be proud. Yeah, I'm losing the name of the Vivid president right now, but even he made a comment that it's it's pretty unusual to see somebody bring their toddler or whatever into Vivid's corporate office. Some people just need to be thrown. Take that freaking kid away from that environment and just freaking... Just mm-hmm. throw these people somewhere in the fucking ocean. Right. Because they're absolutely useless to society. No question. I'm done talking about it, god damn it. You know what? Carrie Fisher's fat. Which we're allowed to say because if we, we are. If we were Geek Show, that would be the name of our podcast. <laughs> this is true. Our this is true. would be called Carrie Fisher's Fat. And with that by, and so Believe me, we know fat. And we're giving props to Geek Show because they do it right. Geek Show's yeah, awesome. awesome. But yes, we're, we're two fat guys. We know fat. Carrie Fisher is fat. Yes. Well, um, it, in, it, why we say that is um, the speculation is that Carrie Fisher, as well as Harrison Ford and, and uh, Mark Hamill, that will be a part of the new rollout of Star uh, Star Wars. I almost said Star Trek. Star Wars. Uh, yeah. <laughs> On Star Wars Day, you dare yeah. blaspheme no, that way. I didn't do it. Um, a part of the new uh, Star Wars films that. Um, Apparently we're going to uh, get like six or seven of them in the next... Starting uh, 2015. Yeah. Um, And uh, anyway, apparently Disney has hired Carrie Fisher, a trainer, 
Now, Carrie Fisher's, this will make you feel old, is 56. Mm-hmm. I believe she was 19 when she made the, uh, star, the first Star Wars film. Oh, yeah, there's some great stories about that one, too. Yeah, um, and now she's 56, and she's, like like a 56-year-old will do, isn't quite, you know, things have, have sunken a little, things have uh, expanded a little, she's let herself go to some extent. And we can't all be Jacqueline Smith. This is true, and let's be honest, for her, there's also the Hollywood family issue with the, what she's Debbie Reynolds' kid. Yeah, the Hollywood family. She was a was major drugs, drug addict, drug yeah. and booze. She, yeah, drugs, alcohol. Which, uh, like our she, bodies are partially built by beer, yes. so we will fully admit. Absolutely, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not at all making fun of Carrie Fisher for this. I'm just saying this is what where she is today. No question. So. so but but apparently she's going to be a part of these new Star Star Wars. Films. Here's hoping to a certain extent. Yeah, she right, is. yeah, absolutely. But now some people are coming out and saying, well, she said that Disney's hired her a trainer, and these other idiots come out and say, oh, they're going to get her in the gold bikini again. No, we don't. They want are this. not <laughs> going to get her into the gold bikini again. First of all, it's going to take a lot more than a trainer to get her into the gold <laughs> bikini again. They, it would they, be a special episode of Nip Talk Exactly. <laughs> there, there's some surgical procedures in there. On top of the fact is, I'm pretty sure, even if she did go under the knife to do stuff, I don't want to see 56-year-old Carrie Fisher rocking the gold bikini. I agree. It also doesn't tie into the mythology, because she wasn't enslaved at the end of Jedi. Hell no. And the, the bottom line is here... Disney just doesn't want fat Carrie Fisher on their damn screen. They, in whatever role Carrie and Mark and Harrison are going to be, and you got to believe to a certain extent they're going to thro- follow some of the Admiral Thrawn mythology. Where, and, and what, even if they don't, you got to believe that at some point Han and Carrie get married and Luke reopens the Jedi temple, uh, 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 Jedi University. You just got to believe that that's the way it's going to go. That he reopened uh, the Jedi Academy and get it going. So, you got to have people in some kind of shape to pull this off. The fact of the matter is, Leia Organa would still be one of the highest ranking members of the Rebel Alliance. She can't be fat, can't get out of her way. Right. Leia, that wouldn't work. She doesn't have to be the skinny as a rail. Could fit in the gold bikini if she needed to, Leia. But she doesn't need to look like she's related to the huts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. She needs to be able to wear some kind of regal garb that somebody in the Rebel Alliance would wear. Yes. Period. She doesn't need to be to 110 pounds. But she can't pull it off if she's pushing 180 or 190. That's not going to work. So stop with the gold bikini fantasies. She's not A, she's not 19, she's 56 now. And she's not going to get in the damn gold bikini. She's just fat and Disney. This does tell you something, though. How much nerd boy, myself included, have hung on to that first image of Leia in that bikini when when Luke comes in. And there she is, curled up at Jabba's feet. You know, it is an iconic image that is stuck with people. Which is interesting because it all depends upon how much Return of the Jedi means to you. 
there's a certain amount of that I think that comes into play. Because as we've discussed in the past, Jedi for some, that one's all over the scale on how good a movie it is. Yeah, I, I didn't mind it, but I've never really been that slavely a guy. Oh, I, 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 I may have bookmarked Leia, what, Leia's Metal Bikini website in the past and checked it out. Then I realized that it's the same five chicks submitting stuff over and over and over again. And there's one dude apparently has built a giant life, a giant sized Java dungeon in his house. And that guy scares me. <laughs> that, that guy, that guy is concerning. Anyway, Princess Leia is fat, and they want to make her not fat. So That's fine. We're on board with that. Absolutely. So I was reading through some website the other day, and I can't remember what it was, but it, it, irrelevant. Um, they were talking about movie trailers, and have we gotten to an age? Where the movie trailer is giving away too much information going into the movies. What is the point? What is the purpose of the movie trailer? The trailer is to sort of tease you into wanting to see a movie you may or may not have had any interest in before. Mm -hmm. And I think a trailer. It can succeed in that or it can fail in that. I, I've seen trailers of movies that I'm on the fence about and the trailer doesn't push me over. Or the trailer, I've even seen the trailer, ah, that kind of sucked, looks stupid, so I'm not even going to bother. Mm -hmm. Or I'll look at a trailer like Man of Steel, which I was going to see anyway, and I had some, some moderate interest in. That trailer propelled that movie to the top of my must-see list. I'll, I'll give you, to me, a great example of a trailer that worked for people. For a movie that could have done nothing, was 300, comes to my mind right away. That movie got all of its backing, uh, all, I should say, all of its support from the audience, totally by the trailers that leaked. This movie wouldn't have done a hell of a lot, but that trailer was perfect. It gave you enough to give you an idea of what you were going to get, but didn't give you the story. Yeah. You you knew you were going in to see some badass fights, a whole lot of carnage. That's what people are looking for. Period. Right. But it, it is an interesting argument because I I'm sure you remember when the Hunger Games trailer first hit, the real yeah. one, yeah. and people were bitching that they didn't show anything from the games. Well, this new trailer they didn't doesn't know. show anything. Right. What they get to is the countdown. Right. And. People are complaining that they're not getting enough. But how much is too freaking much? Right. It, the whole point of a trailer, in my estimation, is to tease you to seeing the movie. They need to set the idea, give you some idea of what universe you're going to be dropped in. That's it. And that's a, it's a fine line because you look at something like The Hunger Games, which is a perfect example. You have a certain amount of, of people that are going to see this regardless whether right. they see a trailer or not. They're going to see this. So for them... They don't necessarily need to see the games up there to make up their mind. Mm -hmm. they're, they're going to go to this. Yep. But then you have that certain element of people who are like, okay, Hunger Games. It's going to be kids killing kids, stuff like that. I don't know if I'm on board. It sounds like I didn't read the book and stuff like that. And you see a trailer like that and you're like, where's the kids killing the kids? Where's, where's the games? This just looks like a bunch of people, you know, yeah, that are weird, with weird, with weird colored hair and yeah. shit. So it, I I think it, I think it's a very 
it's a personal thing with the studios. Uh, it's different studios, different movies, and they just try. It's all about the marketing of, of who they're trying to reach. I guess mm-hmm. they know that they're going to make. Hunger Games would have made a ton of bank whether they had ever put a trailer on right. or not. Yeah, there was so much hype for that movie. It's so much anticipation is a better right. word. Right. Hype was the hype machine active? Yes. But I'd argue it was as active from the fan base as it was from the studio, sure. all because of the anticipation wanting to see it. Well, then you take like a smaller, a smaller genre flick, like Cabin in the Woods. Mm-hmm. And now here's here's a movie without a trailer is probably only going to bring in people who are into the horror genre. I'd say you're talking twenty-five to thirty million tops. And, well, you did have you did have Joss Whedon's name attached to it, and that's gonna that's gonna prop you up to some degree, mm-hmm. but not as much. With and then they give you the trailer, and the trailer certainly presents itself that there's more going on here. This isn't just a a slasher horror flick out of a cabin. It's not just a rip off of Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. There's something more intelligent. At play here, but and I understand why they have to do that because even with Whedon's name attached to it and Chris Hemsworth's name attached to it, if you don't do that, you still just look like an Evil Dead ripoff. Yep. And there's only a certain amount of people that are going to go to that. So you have to show something else is going on here. But by doing that, or at least the way they did that, it also sort of renders pieces of your movie anticlimactic when you go through it when it actually airs. And I'm referencing specifically the the and this has been out long enough so fucking yeah, spoilers. Well the bird that flies into that force, uh, field. force field and like zaps and falls the thing. So that's the piece of the trailer that's telling you, okay, there's something more going on here. Right. But later on when Thor decides the only way he can get out is to jump the ravine on his motorcycle, we already know because the trailer told us You're laughing he ain't going to make happens. it. Yeah, he's not going to make it because there's a force field here. So it, it totally devalued that piece of the movie. Right. So that's a catch-22, I think, for a studio. We have to show something. It, 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 which is interesting, too, with Cabin in the Woods, because if you want a trailer that gave you... It was one long WTF moment after the other. Mm. Because I remember we were both watching, and we, we knew, we were anticipating this film, mm. because we knew who was behind it. And we also knew the struggles they had in getting this goddamn thing out, sure. because of the whole uh, the MGM thing. MGM thing. Sure. And when we saw the first trailer, we were going, we don't know what the fuck any of this even is. Right. It was a whole bunch of just odd images, like the bird. The weird elevator in the basement going down. And it just... You didn't know what to make of it. You knew... And like you say, you knew that it was going to be different than The Evil Dead. But that one definitely walked a very thin line on whether or not it was giving away too much. Where Whether that one had to give away a lot more solely to get the audience that isn't just thinking Evil Dead. Right. And I know there have been a lot of people critical of it. Personally, for me, I didn't expect any of what I got as far as the overall story. Right. And that's what worked. It, it, it did, you know, it did devalue that scene because you, right. you saw it coming a mile away. Um, but yeah, the, the, the whole, the experience on the whole is so 
just awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you get the comedy genre, and I mm. get that you need trailers, and I get that in order to get people to come to there, you have to show the funny. And too many times, they're showing you all the funny. Yeah. Which is basically why only on rare occasion will I even waste time going to the theater for a comedy. A, because I, I don't trust that the studio hasn't already shown me everything that's funny, and B... You lose absolutely nothing in the movie-going experience by just watching a comedy. At home. I can rent most comedies from the Red Box mm-hmm. and get the exact same thing out of it with my comedies own beer, don't rely my own munches, effects and, right. and, and sound and things like that. I am not somebody's gonna be throwing down a boatload no, to see Hangover it's, Three. It's no, it's either funny or it's not funny, and it'll it, it'll be that in the comfort of your own yep. home. No question. Um, there are exceptions. There are exceptions uh, to things. Um, um, that, that I may really want to see that comedy wise and the only thing that comes to mind coming up uh, this year is like the world's end I will go and support the well, Simon Pegg right. Frost thing especially being the final of their ice cream trilogy or whatever <laughs> the hell they're calling it yeah that, that's that's different right just like Paul we Absolutely. supported Paul because they, they're they're one of they're our crowd so your opinion your final opinion do movie trailers show too much do they not show enough, or is in it really my, just... In my mind, it's you have to it's look just plain subjective. It, in my mind, for the most part, they do a damn good job. Certainly some movies are going to give away too much, but they need to sell tickets. I think that the problem they've got right now is the costs of producing a movie have gotten so large, they need to give you more than they used to. And that, I think, is the, where we're at with Hollywood. I don't feel they give away too much. So, certainly some movies they have, but it's not Well, what's concern. interesting is that most of the people that bitch about that are the people who are going to this movie anyway. Right. So why are you even bothering with the trailer? If you, if you don't want to get... If you feel like you're being spoiled by seeing these trailers, don't watch the trailers. Right. If, if you feel like... If you're, if you're a Trek geek, but you're pissed off because the Star Trek trailer, you think it showed you too much... Why did you even watch the trailer? Mm-hmm. You're going anyway. You're not looking at the trailer to sway you in one way or the direct, direction or another the, whether you want to go to the site. You're going. I agree so completely. go in blind. Right. Me, I personally love trailers. I and too. if I get a, a few giveaways and that's my own fault, I'm not going to stop watching trailers. Right. And look, so many times trailers, what you see is out of context. To me... The, the, today's movie is a perfect example of a trailer that took we'll things get, totally out of context. Well, not so much context, but was it out of context or was it just brilliant marketing? Was it was it was this a pulled a wool over your eyes? Uh, that's or, actually or not. <laughs> that, but either way, that's excellent use of a trailer. Absolutely, absolutely, and we'll get into that then. So I, I'm on, I'm on board with you pretty much here. It's like each thing is individual. I like trailers. I, I don't want to be spoiled on a major level, but I like watching. Yeah, don't the give me the final reveal. Don't no. give me what I think is probably the last five minutes of the movie. Right. But give me enough that I'm, especially if it's a brand new friend, quote unquote franchise, a brand new idea. Well, give me enough that I have a reason to like go I said, see it. The newest Man of Steel trailer is just it's it's one of the best trailers I've ever seen. Which yeah, and I agree with you. It, which is interesting because I can't stand the Superman character. But uh, we saw just, the old trailer today, and, and I even that is and is I good. like holy god, the just the details they had like 
showing the swirling of the dust before yeah. it takes off. Different things like that, which they've never gotten into in the franchise. That's excellent use of a trailer. Yeah. You're giving us something with the character we haven't had before, and you're showing us the technological advances we have in film today yeah. that can give us more to the character. Right. And you put that with the right music, lots of stuff, and that's perfect. the kind of thing. And use just, just the right catchphrase or just the right you lines. Get the nerd boner big yep. time, and it's like, like I said, I, I was going to see this movie. I had a passing interest in it. I. I Iron Man 3 and Star Trek were, were way up on my list. No so those are the two I need to see. This Last Man of Steel trailer jumped that movie to the top of my I need to see this list. I completely agree with you. So, there you go. So, <laughs> this is a strange story. And it's going to be a part rant, part just what the fuck. Well, it's going to start as a story, but become a rant, I'm certain. So... When I, I don't begrudge, but I hate rich douchebag who has unlimited time, un, unlimited money to just do whatever. I, I, I don't begrudge them. I don't care. Good for you. Wish I was doing that too. Mm -hmm. But don't be a douchebag. Right. Don't think it entitles you to have, treat people however you want. Right. Exactly. Exactly the point. And so here we've got this this group of rich douchebags who decide, hey, you know what? We're rich and have time. Let's climb Mount Everest. Now, that's a whole separate dis uh, discussion in, in itself because I don't know why the fuck anybody needs to climb Mount Everest. Yeah. I, I, don't give me this bullshit. Well, because it's there. It, it's there. It's a fucking mountain. Mm -hmm. It's the biggest mountain in the goddamn world. Why do you need to climb it? What did you gain by climbing it? And what did you put at risk by trying? Right. And it, it, nothing, nothing pisses me off more is when when somebody who does some sort of extreme sport or, you know, like bungee jumping or or, or mountain climbing or even, uh, I don't know, um, you know, Evil Knievel back in the day when he'd get in a rocket-powered car and jump the Snake River Canyon. If you die doing that, do not spend one ounce of breath telling me how it's tragic that you die. Well, I'm assuming you mean his fans. Well, his fans. Like, yeah, his fans. Like, oh, it's so tragic. No, he no. lost his life. No, it's not. It's not tragic. That, it's what are you doing? I'm it's not, Darwinism. It's it like, is. It's like the rednecks that are playing pass with a rattlesnake and they get yes. bit. One of them dies. And oh, you go, it's so oh, it's horrible. It's no, horrible. it's not. No, it's not. It, it, the only tragic part it's is if somebody selection. kills the goddamn snake at that point. Because <laughs> exactly. as far as I'm concerned, it's yeah. now a hero. It took yeah. one of those douchebags out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, it astounds me how many, uh, how many people say. It, it's like, um, oh, what the hell was it? It was somebody mountain climbing, you know, and, and I'm not talking like the Mount Everest expedition stuff. I'm one of those dudes that like climbs the the rock faces with just a you know a, a piece of thread and a water bottle, mm -hmm. and then he falls uh, nine thousand feet to his death. It's like oh, he died what he loved, but it's so tragic. What it's, you know? What if you were meant to get up there, there'd have been a fucking elevator, right? Okay, there's no reason. For you to have gone up there. And you know what? If you want to take that risk, fine. Mm -hmm. Don't care. Don't insult me with the, oh, it's tragic. And don't, don't have to put other people, the rescuers' lives in danger to go, sh to go 
fish your fucking and ass that's where it's gonna go and don't your family complain when they get hit with the bill for coming to get exactly. your dead ass either these douchebags who years ago we were having a hurricane or something come in and the douchebags were in Maine, L.L. Bean family, and it was a kid related to the Bean family decided to go windsurfing in it. <laughs> and it cost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to save his ass as he was being hauled up to sea in the heavy current and everything. And they basically begged to not get charged with this. And people are going, tough shit. And that's the way it should be. You do something this stupid then you deserve the bill. Whatever it is. You get whatever's coming to you. Whether or not it's from the rescuers or the Sherpas that are trying to help you. Good segue. Thank so you. So we got these, these rich assholes. I think they were Europeans. I don't know. They were Italian and French, I want to say. Ah, well, there you go. Um, so they stink. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we just lost the French demographic. <laughs> Well, I didn't mean that. Ah, As French, they stink. After hiking for four days, they'd stink, right? Yeah. Ah, what's the matter with you? (laughs) Ah, ah, your mother. Your mother. Uh, Your mother. Me, mama. I'm referencing Spice World. You know that. Yeah. (laughs) We we have that. Yes, we do. Um, Anyway, these these Euro douchebags are climbing Mount Everest, and they've got this... This uh, party of Sherpas. I don't know what the fuck a Sherpa is. I just picture them like little... Isn't one of the things they say in Team America? Ah, Sherpa, Sherpa, Sherpa. Sherpa, Sherpa. Oh, Durka, 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 Mohammed. Um, But they they help... They assist the parties going up the mountain. Up Mount Everest. Mm -hmm. Fix their ropes for them. Fix their equipment for them and stuff. Because they... for, For whatever ungodly reason, they've lived in this environment. And they they... They them going up and down Mount Everest is like you and I going to the corner store for beer. Which, which, which <laughs> another aside. I gotta go. I gotta go off on a tangent here. It's like, why is it? Why is Sir Edmund Hillary given all this credit for being the first guy to climb Everest when these Sherpa dudes have been doing it all for the years, time. centuries? Yeah, I've never understood this. It, what is it? Why? Why aren't the Sherpas getting any credit whatsoever? No shit. I, I don't know. It, 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 this. This is another reason why people sometimes hate our hemisphere, isn't it? Because we're taking taking credit for things that they're like, yeah, okay, we've lived on the side of that mountain forever. We yeah. go up there, and, shit, that's where we got our milk from every now and then. We got goats yeah. up there we yeah. milk on a daily basis. We have a Starbucks. That's right. <laughs> because Starbucks run to the top of Everest every day. Anyway, these douchebags, um, and what was it? Remind, help, me, help me remember here. Um... What, the, the how Euro- the whole thing came yeah, about? Yeah, well, the Euros, they got into some sort of argument. Right. And I want to say it was because the Sherpas said something about we should... Help me out here. Well, it, the, the Sherpas are trying to instruct them on basically how to survive. How through. to not die. Right. And the, the Europeans basically thought that because they, they had the money and they were from exactly. the civilized part we, of the world, we bought they knew you. better. We know, we know and they better. were going to pl- they were going to trod forward. Right. And though the Sherpas were saying, if we do that, we'll die. Right. And so it actually came <laughs> to physical blows. The As things do. At the side of freaking Mount Everest, these Euro douches are 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 Fight, physically fighting the shirt. And throwing snowballs and shit. Oh, whatever they're doing. I don't know. Don't eat the yellow snow, though. But, yeah, and, and so 
So the, apparently there's like some sort of like, I don't know, Sherpa Academy or something like this. And these douchebags called and complained about their Sherpas. The guys that are keeping you alive. Right. Fixing your shit because you're the rich asshole who has no clue what he's doing on this mountain. And these and, people deal with it on a yeah. daily basis. And, and and they're making these Sherpas, oh, we apologize, it'll never happen again, and making these guys apologize to the asshole. Oh, fuck no, i become a Sherpa fan, dude. Absolutely. I'm the biggest Sherpa supporter in the world. I hope these zero assholes freaking die on that mountain. So do I. I hope and, they And die. here's what the Sherpas should have done, then you go on without us. Yeah. Rock on, buddy! Absolutely, we will. We will keep this camp nice until tomorrow. If you need to retreat, the fire will be going, yeah. the heater's going. Yeah. But your asses are on your own if you're going yeah. up further at yeah. this point. No shit, dude! I got nothing for it. Fucking assholes! Speaking of fucking assholes, we're gonna come back in a minute. And we're gonna talk about our douche of the week. Oh, and it's a douche and a half. Uh, here goes. Uh, start with uh, obvious. Excuse me, is that your nose or did a bus park on your face? <laughs> True, when you were born, the doctor turned around and slapped your mother. If I had a dog with a face like yours, I'd shave his ass and teach him to walk back. What'd you say? I'll use small words so that you'll be sure to understand, you warthog-faced buffoon. You pompous, stuck-up, snot-nosed, English, giant, twerp, scumbag, fuck-faced, Dickhead asshole! You stuck up, half-witted, scruffy-looking nerf herder! You clinking, clanking, clattering collection of collisionous junk! You shit-kicking, stinky horseman who smelling motherfucker, you! You dirty-eating piece of slime! You scum-sucking pig! You son of a motherless goat! How are thou? Thou globby bottle of cheap, stinking chip oil! You eunuch jelly, thou? No business born insecure junkyard motherfucker! You're a fucking secretary. Fuck you! Yeah, that's my message for you. Fuck you and kiss my ass. You're an emotional fucking cripple. Your soul is dog shit. Every single fucking thing about you is ugly. You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, vulgar, insensitive, selfish, stupid. You have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. I don't like your jerk-off name. I don't like your jerk-off face, I don't like your jerk-off behavior, and I don't like you, jerk-off. Okay. So, here's our douche of the week. A segment that we hope to uh, include with every podcast. There are plenty of douches, I'm certain we can come up with something. And this is really, it's really, you know, you can fast forward through it if you want. This is really no, no, nothing other than an excuse for us to make fun of people. (laughs) <laughs> we like getting off. We're cynical bastards. We exactly. don't claim anything else. Well, all right. There's this freaking dumbass in New Hampshire. Name of Henry Gribble. I think that's how you pronounce it. Close enough. Close enough. He doesn't warrant uh, <clears throat> perfect. Uh, I don't know that he could spell it, dude. I, I'm pretty sure he can't. Anyway, dude loses his life savings. Now... His life savings, according to the article, equated to twenty six hundred bucks, which he had in his house. Which he had in his house. I'm, 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 I'm suspicious that it was probably wrapped up with a rubber band around it. No like, question. In, in a drawer with other questionable implements. Mm-hmm. But regardless, twenty six hundred bucks, and he blew the entire wad on a 
carnival game called uh, Tubs. Uh, what was it? Tubs of what? Tubs of uh, fun. Tubs of fun. I was gonna say it's not like Tubs of fun, but that just sounds like a like the latest fat porn movie, <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know what tubs of fun is. I, I'm wondering if it's like those milk bottle things. That was the first I, thing that came to my mind. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know how you play it. The article doesn't get into it. It just says that he is registering complaints uh, to the to the people who manage this carnival because he says the game is rigged. Really, a carnival game <laughs> is rigged. Genius. I would contend that they're not necessarily rigged for you. They're not impossible. No, they. They're, but they're certainly rigged to give the house the advantage. They know which ones will work. Uh-huh. So when the inspector, when the town mm-hmm. guy from the town comes by, they can take the softball and drop it in that one milk thing, and it'll drop in. Right. They know the one or two out there that'll work. Right. Or when the person that comes up and says. I don't trust you guys. These things are always break. They know the one that they can go, no, it's not. Look, blink. look at that. Right. So this dude loses $2,600 because apparently you could win an Xbox. Which, 2600 bucks for an Xbox. Right. 2600 bucks so he could win an Xbox doing this. Doesn't occur to this genius <laughs> that the 300 bucks he put into this... <laughs> Would have probably bought him two Xboxes. Yeah. But nope, he throws 300 bucks away and decides, okay, goddammit, I need to go back home and get my other $2,300 <laughs> and come back and try to win this game. Because now it became a holy quest. Because <laughs> could you imagine this? If, if like all of a sudden he won it at the last minute or something, after he spent like $2,000, he actually... He did it. I win the Xbox. Congratulations. You spent $2,000 on an Xbox. And personally, I still think Cardi guys should have just given in at that point and given him the goddamn thing, which I think would have been funny, even though the photo that came out afterwards well, is the funny. Photos, the photo's brilliant. I probably should put that on the website at some point. Oh, I think so. Relate to that article. Um, anyway, so now he's lost $2,600. He's, he's going home. And the dude... I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying, dude looks like some freaking wife beater skinhead. If you're trying to use some profiling method, (laughs) if I were to be a profiler, which he's not not opposed. Here's a picture of him wearing the wife beater, the white wife beater, the white wife beater. All both arms, all tatted up. He's got the sunglasses and a bald head. Well, the skin uh, head, not the, the ball. Well, yeah, head. the skin head, right? So I'm, uh, like I said, I'm not making any accusations to Mr. Gr- uh, about Mr. Gribholm's lifestyle, but I'm just saying. Folks, a betting man. I'm just saying. He, Which apparently he, he is. He, apparently he's a, he's a family man because right. he's pushing this stroller. Because apparently his apparently it does pay to complain. Oh, yeah. Because he went back and complained to uh, the carnival people the day after that he, I guess he got so worked up that he threw away his life savings trying to win an Xbox, that they gave him $600 cash. Which instantly tells you 
that the carnival people were like, oh shit, we don't want the, fi- we want well, the authorities yeah. coming down. Yeah, we, 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 yeah, 600 we, bucks. We still are 2,000 uh, bucks up on e- this dude. Exactly. Yeah, we're 1,700 bucks up to the good on this dude, so that, that's good. Plus, he looks like a skinhead. We really don't want yeah. his buddies coming back here. Um, <laughs> and, but that's not, that's not the best part. They gave this dude a large stuffed banana with dreadlocks and one of those and rasta, a rasta hat. Rasta hat. <laughs> and there's a picture of dude, I guess with a satisfied look on his face, pushing his kid in his stroller with this big banana. And it looks like it's about a seven or eight foot yeah, banana. It's a good, good sized banana. With dreadlocks and a rasta hat down the street. Looking like he's on his way to a Klan rally. <laughs> Who? Dude, well, let, let's just talk about the banana for a second. Okay. And, or, 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 you, you, you've worked at an amusement park. You worked at Disney, who's not really in the yeah, whole carnival game thing. That's like, but uh, you go to a Six Flags, and you'll always see those dudes just spend the entire day at the Midway, mm. so they can win that six foot tall yeah. stuffed animal and carry the fucking thing around all right, day. Right. What's the point? What, what are you gonna do with this goddamn thing? Right. Who it, wants this goddamn thing? Anna. There's there's a certain <laughs> element of people that are going to try to do that. That's all they you're do. gonna have you're gonna have the guy who's who's macho and stuff mm-hmm. and he's trying to impress people that he can win these stupid games. In the meantime, every every ride they go on, they have to hand the goddamn thing off and have so you'll sit there and get on the roller coaster and yep. there'll be this line of these giant bears yep. up against the fence, like, what the fuck? What's the point? What's right. the fun of this? And I love it when they actually win one. Oh, and they'll, they'll they'll give like the giant bear like the the, the piggyback ride. They're walking oh, yeah. through. And they're walking through like the freaking proudest peacock at the damn fair, dude. Because I won the bear because I'm a badass. And you're kind of good. You do realize those are like made in China by like five yeah, year old that, kids for four yeah, bucks. Yeah, exactly. That that this huh. is not quality bear. This is not no, build a bear. No, no. <laughs> this is this is definitely not build a bear. And this looks like it's not build a banana either. Well, that, that's just it. I mean, I'm. I'm half. I half think that he's got like one of the one of his hits zipped up inside this thing. <laughs> There's a weird bulge on the top of it, isn't there? But but what? <laughs> hey, what what possesses a douchebag to throw away twenty six hundred dollars on a carnival game to win a hundred and fifty dollar gaming system? Um, and then what? What possesses you to to go back and complain to them that it's rigged just because you didn't win it, and then be satisfied that if it is rigged, that they just gave you six hundred bucks and a rasta banana? <laughs> I mean, everything about this is just that this guy. You know, is a I got nasty comments fool. about everything. I got no answer for that. This guy. At is some point, just... your mind just got into disconnect. That's uh, all I can say. There's a part of me, dude, who thinks that this. This guy really is like crystal meth addict, mm. and just got caught up in a moment, and that's that. I have to wonder. It, he even makes comments like, "I practiced and practiced, and I thought I had the knack for it." Yeah, well, you, you right. If you're practicing yeah. with an even keel, maybe. Right. <laughs> but again, you got to know those two milk jugs that will really work here. Yeah, you got to ask them. 
I need proof that this works to see which ones they drop it in, and that's going to be your target. If you're going to throw down 50 shots here, you need to be targeting that one and hope you hit it. And then you're going to get the cheesy little stuff prize and keep having to work up to the big one. Yep. That's the way those things work. Uh, yeah, it's just I'll, I'll I'll try to link that up to the the website later. That that's just too. I am certain New Hampshire is very proud uh, of themselves right now. No doubt, dude. Yeah, guys from New Hampshire. And Tosh Point has his next subject to start well, season. Well, what, whatever. What, what pisses me off is that now there's a website out there that's offered to buy the animal to to pay the twenty six hundred dollars for the banana if they get a certain amount of likes on because. Because this website can't find a better use of twenty six hundred dollars. This dude's gonna turn out. He's gonna walk away. Oh, uh, at the end of this, he's gonna walk away with his Xbox and probably twice the damn money he, he started. He is going to make bank on this dude, which is just. But again, stupid. rewind to Team Mom comment. Yeah, exactly. It's the exact same thing. People in this country. People reward stupidity. Absolutely. Because we love paying money for that person who's far more stupid than we are. Just Absolutely. so we can watch the train wreck. But if you're willing to be the train wreck, right. then you can make bank. Because because some homeless shelter couldn't use that 2600 bucks. Right. So we got to exactly. give it to this guy. Exactly. You can buy more wood for the crosses he builds and it burns or whatever. Anyway, Henry Gribholm of New Hampshire, you are our douche of the week. Total douche. So... I think we're going to break here one more time so I can insert some nonsense uh, in between and then come back with uh, a little bit of what we've watched over the last couple of weeks. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, we've watched, uh, we've only watched a couple things that we want to bring up. Um, one that we both watched. And we it, was did? A, it was a documentary. We're Called both... Spice World. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're both horror fans, and we both admit that one of our favorite horror films of all times um, is Amityville Horror. And there's um, a part of me hoping, wishing that this story is actually true. Having read the book, too. Yeah, 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 because it would make it so much cooler. But irregardless, I still think it's one of the creepiest films I've ever seen. No question. So I was excited when I had actually heard about this documentary coming up. It's called My Amity the Horror. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember the documentary filmmaker's name, but it was basically uh, a sit-down session with Daniel Lutz, who was the young son of the Lutz family, who allegedly lived through the Amityville ordeal. Right. Um, so what I was hoping for was a sit-down and a 
a blow by blow account of of what it was like of of what what happens in the house and you know what and when I first sat down when I first heard about it, I didn't even really care if he was sitting down to debunk the stuff or to validate the stuff. Open a door to it, though. Right, right, right. I just, I want, you know, either make this about what, about the, about how fucked up and scary of a situation this was, or open this up to, to debunking the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Make it one or the other. And I, you don't, you don't get either. No. This movie, I, what, here's what I got. Daniel Lutz is angry at his stepdad. Mm-hmm. That's what I got. That there, there was literally maybe a five-minute discussion of anything that really happened. Right. Oh, there's one other thing I got. Daniel Lutz needs anger management and oh, needs to yeah. follow these classes yeah. deeply. Yeah. Because he's a douchebag. He is a douchebag. That's what I got. Yeah, um, and his it, that is his stepfather. George Lutz is it was the father. It was George and Kathy Lutz were the parents. Um, in the movie, it was James Brolin and Margot Kidder, and then they had the. Well, I guess he has three kids in real life, but I don't remember two. Yeah, in and, the movie, but it may be that even in the movie, maybe there was a baby that I'm not remembering now. Yeah, I don't remember. But uh, anyway, George was was the stepfather to these kids, and yeah, Daniel Lutz despise this guy. Well, he claims that George was into the occult, demonic occult. Yep. That's that's his entire book collection was based on it. Right. And that basically George ruled with the lash. Yeah. That he, he would go to the beatings mode real quick. Right. With the kids and that they had to believe everything. That said, he did say what George had telekinetic powers, right? He he said he walked into the boathouse and George's buddies went there and then he witnessed George moving something with his mind. Right. Um, and what but it you, was all an indictment on George. Mm-hmm. And what you get is, is basically an hour and a half of him complaining about George being a douchebag stepfather sprinkled in with Accounts of things that allegedly happened, but they're taken verbatim from the movie. Right. And I don't know. I don't. I don't know if that makes the movie a good adaptation of what allegedly happened, or Daniel Lutz has seen the movie so many times that he that that's just what he's referencing when he calls this. Stuff. Or option three that he knows enough other people have. He's trying to make a buck off of it because mm-hmm. it'll instantly trigger something in their mind. I I, I I think that. And the fact that the other two siblings wanted nothing to do with this report, nothing to do with this documentary, tells me that they just know he's an idiot, too. Right. Because in the end, none of this. The guy asked him, he said, do you want to take a, a lie detector test? And he was all... He got confrontation. After all this, you'd ask this of me? Yeah. After, well, that's what the people want. Yeah. After all this? All this? All what? what? You gave the most... This movie had that scene where they go and visit, what, some old lady that knew them at some point? Yeah. But the roosters and the cages yeah. in her kitchen? Yeah. And she was referencing, basically she found God and they spun it into some Christianity thing. Mm-hmm. But it still was so 
not connected to anything to do with what people be coming to this movie for. Right. It was more like his own release by finding this woman. And I'm still not entirely certain I who this fucking person was. Right. It was something, somebody that knew the Lutzes then. That's all just I got. Some, it was just some crazy, like, medium lady. But I got nothing. At that point, she found God, so apparently she's not even medium lady anymore. Right. She's just crazy chick with roosters and cages in her yeah. kitchen. This this thing added, there was no enlightenment to the story. It doesn't give you anything oh, that no. you haven't heard before. And it's just this, this douchebag... Who's just sitting there and bad mouthing his family and bad mouthing his his uh, stepfather, and uh, every once in a while throwing in a little tidbit of something that he, th- he thinks you want to hear mm-hmm. about his experience in the house, and that's it. Yeah, I, 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 agree. I I don't recommend this to anybody, even if yeah. you're an Amityville horror fan. Don't waste your time. I would argue if you're an Amityville horror fan, even more reason to avoid it. Because you're not going to get any answers that you were hoping for. Whether or not you're looking for acknowledgement that it was real, or some kind of of argument that it never was real. That this was just a money grab. You won't get anything out of this. No, absolutely nothing. The use of Amityville in the title was solely to connect Lutz to it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And it was just poorly. It was poorly constructed. It was poorly no, it was, shot. It was just terrible. Um, it, it's it's literally unwatchable. Mm-hmm. Unwatchable. I'm not going to give a rating to the to a documentary, but if I had to, I'd pretty much give it a zero. Yeah, I'd say yeah, maybe more. maybe a half a point just because there's a little bit of like footage from inside the house back in the day. There, again, there was about a five minute period where we're like, okay, we're starting yeah. to go somewhere. Maybe we're going to get something. Then it just boom. And it's like, oh, George, goddamn him. And I'm like, oh, freaking A, dude, right. shut up. Anyway, you saw... I saw Lord of Salem. Horror. You saw Lords of Salem. Something we both have wanted to see badly. Rob Zombie's Lords of Salem. Because um, Lord knows we aren't going to get that here. Not up here. Um, if you're a zombie fan and you're familiar with the Halloween movies, you may... Halloween 1 and Halloween 2, I think, need to be viewed separately. House of a Thousand Corpses is what it is. Apparently, it took many years to get that released. And I like House of a Thousand Corpses. Devil's Rejects, to me, is actually a great road horror movie. Well, it's not horror. Road thriller, gore thriller, I guess. Certainly, he has created his own brand of white trash, redneck horror it's very gritty, very grainy. Lords of Salem is none of these things. Lords of Salem, at a high level, is basically about a DJ in Salem, a female DJ, who apparently has some connection to the Salem witch trials of years past, years past, obviously, 1600s. But the connection comes in the form of an album that's dropped off in her studio from the Lords. And they play it, she and the other two DJs, and it's just the same music over and over again that apparently is the music that the Lords played during their satanic rites. The movie itself, it's a very... It's different in that it doesn't have that gritty, grainy feel that Zombie throws in. Musically, it's 
everything you'd expect from a zombie film musically. He does an incredible job musically with it. And certainly he was trying to do something different. He's already announced and made it clear and has been out of the podcast and whatever that his next movie is going to be a hockey film about some about the bad news years of an offshoot hockey league around a Philadelphia team back in the days when literally people would be arrested for the fights on the ice and whatnot. That's his next movie. This movie certainly feels every bit the pass through to get from the white trash gore horror to that. The problem with this film is it doesn't really end and it doesn't feel satisfying during. It's a, Visually, there's so much going on. But in the end, I don't know that you get anything out of it. It just ends and you'll literally sit there staring at the screen as the credits going up saying, I really don't know what I've watched. I made the reference to you earlier that it felt like Zombie doing a Clockwork Orange film. And again, the imagery is a lot like that. There's just random shots. I, I reference, there's a shot of Sherry Moon Zombie, who plays the DJ, and I get he's Cass's wife, and I like Sherry Moon. She's not horrible in this. She's not a great actress. She is what she is. Um... There's this weird shot of her in her bed when she's in the throes of whatever trance is coming over from the music taking over. And this weird demon Ewok midget thing comes and, and ambles up next to her and stares at her and the, the screen goes orange all around it like this fire, but it's just an orange... The music becomes stark, end of scene. And it, it's a whole lot of imagery like that where you go, I don't know what the fuck is going on. End movie and you're done. It's, visually it's a great movie, story-wise, I don't really know what's here. It, 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 there's also some things that I struggle with. At one point, literally, somebody researching... Sherry Moon Zombie's character will enter her name, but will enter what he suspects is her name in real. That she, he knows she changed it to get her DJ name in Salem, which I don't get. It's not like Salem has a massive radio station. It's not Boston, but she had drug issues and everything else. So okay, fine, she changed her name. But he goes to a website called like FamilyTree.com. Types in just her name. No state, no city, no date of birth, no nothing. And it goes, boom, here's the whole family tree chaser. Right back to one of the people that was at the main trials of the witch trials. And you're going, that's just from a name? No nothing? No search method? No filters? Luckily she has the name that no one else on this entire planet has. And there's, there's moments like that where you go... Way too convenient, not buying it. I feel bad because I love me some zombie. I worship Rob Zombie. And I know that this was going to be, to me, a gateway film for him. And for some it will be. For me, visually, it's a gorgeous film. Story-wise, there's nothing here. And I... 
Just do at, it. Just rip the baby Best a 2.5 at best out of 5. I I really want to like this movie, and I'm going to watch it again in case I missed it, but I have a weird feeling I didn't. And what I saw is what I got. Yeah. And you know it fucking pains me as hell, like hell to say yeah. that, but it's it's the truth. Hey, but you gotta be honest. And you gotta be honest yeah. with yourself. Um, yeah, the only other thing I've been watching that I would bring up is because I'm, I'm caught up on it is like if you aren't on the Bates Motel train at this point, mm. you need to be. Excellent show, dude. Uh, I think we're six or seven episodes in. This I'm probably, three so far. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's really well done. Um, yeah, there are there a few moments where you're like, eh, that's a little strange, but yeah, but top to bottom and, and the acting in it, uh, Vera Farmiga <laughs> is is nailing it. Um, they're already talking about potential Emmy nods for her. But if for my money, Freddie Highmore has I like him in that role. What I would have pictured a young Anthony Perkins or young Norman Bates character to be. And it's in the weird smirks and kind yes. of the uncomfortable he's looks just, he has. He's gawky and gangly and he's clearly got some mental issues yeah. and he just has the mannerisms that Perkins brought to Norman Bates down to a T. Yeah. And I would I would love to see this kid get an Emmy nod for this. I it's, it's totally just, agree, dude. He won't. But and, and the story is engaging. Mm-hmm. Oh, it definitely is. It, it's it's absolutely interesting. So if you're not on the Bates Motel train, uh, get on board. It's 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 really good. And uh, no shock, it's not on network television. So there's that. Lords of Salem, two and a half out of five at best. And I'm and I get the sense that you're even. Being generous with that, just because you don't want to be insulting. Well, and, and I'm and also saying that there's a chance on the repeat viewing I'll like it. Yeah. There's also a chance it's going to drop down to a two. Right. And my Amityville Horror, the documentary, is uh, virtually unwatchable. So it brings us to this point where I want to we want to give our recommendations. Mm-hmm. One one each. One each. Um, not of the movies we just saw because we just told mm-hmm. you whether or not to see those, but. Just a recommendation above and beyond. And this, this can come from anything. Yep. Anything you want it to do. A movie, a television show, uh, um, a book, uh, a uh, music CD, whatever you want to do. Um, are you looking up yours? can't remember it. I'm just making sure I get everything. Uh, you can give yours first. Well, I'll, I'll give mine first. And, and I just got turned on to this. I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. So I found... These links to the Funny or Die website, and they do episode recaps, and they're called Gay of Thrones, where it's basically they're about three, three and a half minutes long, and it's this gay hairdresser guy talking to whoever, whatever his client is and stuff about the most recent episode of Game of Thrones, but he's totally, they're totally gaying it up. Mm-hmm. Where they're showing the clips and they're like, oh, and then girlfriend rips his head right off and he does stuff like that. And he like goes off into a tangent about ice skaters and stuff like this. It's freaking hilarious, dude. The funny, it's funny or die. Look up the Gay of Thrones episode recaps. Cool. Absolutely hilarious. I'll check them out. Absolutely. What do you got? I've got a book that's been out since the 80s. And it's been re-released, apparently, as of 2001, by a well-known author, Barry Longyear, most known for doing The Enemy Mine, that got turned to a movie. He did an excellent book that went 
fairly unnoticed called Sea of Glass. And Sea of Glass is interesting in that most of the book is written first person. And it's basically, it's, it's one of those quote-unquote dystopian futures where basically we've got some government think tank who's, who's roped some scientists into action. And that scientist basically believes that we're getting into overpopulation. They regulate everything down. So people aren't allowed to have kids unless they have a certain uh, amount of uh, salary coming into the family. You've got to apply for, for licensing and everything else. And this kid is born illegally. And it's all told from his eyes as he he's in his, he lives in the attic. All the windows are painted out. His parents told him he can't leave the house. And he scratches the hole in the paint in the first couple chapters. And the old lady across the street sees him. And the reaction he gets is what he'd think. And the authorities come and take him away. And what's haunting with this book is... The world that they create is that no matter where you drive around through the cities... There's these down dates of when the computer, when the computer that rules everything says all hell breaks loose. Everywhere you look, you're very aware of that date. And each chapter is the countdown of where you're at. And it's his tie into this entire world. It's a brilliant, brilliant book, again, that went largely unnoticed. And the fact that it's told first person for a good 300 pages drops you right in at his eye level. It Every gritty detail he sees as he's hauled away to the work camps for where all the illegal kids are, where they're just cast-offs, basically being raised to just be the people working the fields, tortured, raped, whatever, because they don't have any status. I highly recommend the book. What was the name of it? Barry Long Years, Sea of Glass. Okay. Brilliant read. Well, so you go. Barry Long Years, Sea of Glass, and Funnier Dies... Gay of Thrones episode, which I'm gosh. checking out apparently when I get home. Oh. They're hilarious, and there's only they're like I said they're three minutes mm-hmm. long, and there's only like six of them out there. So cool. All right, so we'll come back in a minute with a, a top five. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. So summer movie season has begun in earnest. It has. Um, and what I thought would be a fun top five to do this podcast would be the top five, our top five uh, most anticipated films of the summer that do not include Iron Man 3, Star Trek, or Man of Steel. Mm-hmm. Because everybody's list is going to include those three. So we're taking those off the table. And from what's left, from today, or the release of Iron Man, through Labor Day, your top five most anticipated flicks of the summer, not including those three big ones. That works. Okay. Yep. Go. You want me to do number five or number five? Number five. The Conjuring. With uh, Patrick Wilson, Vera Farmiga. 
I'm, I'm in Does tr- Bates Motel have anything to do with uh, the Vera Farmiga thing here? At least she has to do. She has something to do with the fact that I know who she is, and we have Night Owl in the movie too. But it it, it sounds like again, it's an apparition, uh, apparition, apparition based horror movie, which is right up my alley. Yep. Weird time of year to release it. I hate it. That's a whole another episode right. topic. But. Doesn't mean I'm any less intrigued to see it. I'm yeah. going to be very curious to see what they have. What trailers I've seen, well, trailer I've seen looks fascinating. I'm definitely excited to see this movie. Well, the when is that release? I want to say mid-July. It's either mid-June, mid-July. Okay. It's, it's, and it's one of those that's not going to get a whole lot of wide release. We'll get it up here, but it's not going to be a big summer movie by any stretch. No, 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 no. Um, have you seen Up in the Air? The George Clooney flick... Uh... I've not seen all of it. I've seen some of it. Vera Farmiga and Anna Kendrick. And Anna Kendrick. Yes, I know. Two great tastes that go great together. <laughs> and Clooney has them both on the screen oh, with him. Geez, that lucky geez. son of a bitch. But if we looked like Clooney, we could too. Uh, I suppose. We, we look more name, like Rosemary Clooney. Name somebody that comes off cooler at times than, than George Clooney. George Clooney is pretty freaking cool. Right. Until he gets on his... Douchey liberalism shit. Yeah, but, he's, he's just, but he's entitled. Yeah, whatever. Kind of. Your fifth. My fifth. My fifth is a movie nine years in the making. Um, it's it's the third part of a. Oh, now, I know the. I know where you're going. Now, what would be a trilogy? Mm-hmm. But there's no no reason to think that this is going to be the end of the story. Mm-hmm. And it's. Uh, it's uh, Before Midnight, the Richard uh, Linklater's Linklater. Before Midnight, which is a continuation of the, uh, well, to be honest, the love story between Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy's characters, whose name escapes from anyway, but 18 years ago, it started out where there's this, these two young people who met on a train and spent a day together, mm-hmm. just sort of talking. And I'm I'm fascinated when when a director can build an interesting story, an intrigue, and stuff like that. And really, all they've done is filmed two people talking. Mm-hmm. Now their setting has changed. They walk through the city. They 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 go into cafes, or they ride a train, or they ride a boat through the thing. But all they're doing essentially is talking. So nine years after that, and that was before. Sunset, I think, was the first one. I can't remember. It was before Sunset and before Sunrise. Um, and I can't... I, I want to say before Sunset was the first. But it was like in 1995, 96, or whatever. Nine years later, he made a follow-up to it called Before Sunset, I think. Um, and it revisits these exact same characters just nine years later in their lives. They leave off the first movie with... Before Sunrise, Before Sunset was 2004. Okay, so 2004, so it was 1995 was, was the first one. So you, you pick up, you, you leave that with like, we'll meet you back here in six months. That's how Before Sunrise um, ends, the first movie. So you pick up nine years later, and then you learn what, what happened to them after, what happened six months later, if or they did or didn't meet up with stuff. But they, they meet up again, they come together, and, and you, you now explore them in, at this point in their life. And it's the same thing. 
It's them just getting back together, rekindling, talking and stuff. And it ends. And now, nine years later, in 2013, Before Midnight is going to explore the next chapter of their lives together. And it's just so well written. Uh, Just these two people talking and... uh, you can you both of these guys. I'm not a big Ethan Hawke guy. I think he's okay. Julie Delpy. I don't even know her work outside of this. Franchise. The name's familiar, but I can't. French actress. I'm sure she's been in some French stuff. Um, but uh, very intriguing stuff. Uh, can't wait for this flick because the first two were just so mesmerizingly well done. And you're talking about Richard Linklater, the guy who gave us. Uh, uh, slacker back in the day, the guy who gave us Dazed and Confused, the guy who gave us Bernie, uh, School of Rock, I believe he did. So some some definitely a good pedigree of films behind him. I know you're not a big Dazed and Confused guy. I think that's a fascinating flick. But yeah, but I, again, I've admitted to you that I know I need to go back and rewatch it. Anyway, Before Midnight, I believe it comes out in June, or maybe this month, maybe May, I'm not sure. But uh, looking forward to that one, that's my number five. Alright. Your number four? Elysium. I expected um, that to be on your list. Yeah, well, it, because I like Neil Blomkamp, or how like it Matt Damon. I do. Blomkamp did District 9. He did, and I freaking love District 9, dude. That, that to me, is one of the more underrated films of the past 10 years. No, I'm not saying I agree with it getting nominated for the Oscar. That was when they first went to the 10 Oscar nomination thing. It was bullshit. But sci-fi-wise, that had anything you could ever want in a sci-fi film. It had a great story. It had characters you liked. It had a bit of humor to it. And it created a world that you were really interested in. It was a fascinating film. Extremely well shot. They gave you a lot for a very small budget. Mm. People look at that movie, you'd swear it was shot for way more than it was. Brilliant movie. Elysium concerns me because Jodie Foster, I can be hit or miss. There's the Jodie Foster that we all love from Sons of the Lambs. And there's also the Jodie Foster that just likes to open her mouth at times. And I'm sketchy on that. But still, anytime you have Neil doing a movie, I'm going to be interested anytime. This is his second Matt Damon. I do dig me some Matt Damon. I haven't seen everything Matt does, but I think he's a great actor. And the fact of the matter is, anybody who's from the Guillermo del Toro school, you know I'm going to support. And I really... Early trailers from this, I am excited for Elysium. I'm going to be very excited to see the film. Can't wait to see what he gives us. And I hope that he follows up District 9 with another home run. Yeah, no, it uh, it didn't make my top five, but it's definitely an honorable mention for me. I'm definitely looking forward to that one. My number four is uh, a flick from probably my, uh, my current crush of Hollywood, Britt Marling. Uh, it's a flick that uh, tore up the festival circuit earlier in the year, and it's getting lots of good buzz. And I loved the first two movies that that they uh, put together. It's called The East, and it's basically about this anarchist group that likes to go in and take down major corporations. So it's basically going to be about people that I hate. It's about it's probably about these these uh, insider occupiers who don't like the big corporate. Uh, environment 
and uh, she's going to be like some sort of uh, private investigator that goes in and like tries to infiltrate this to help take them down and stuff. And uh, I I saw another Earth. Was it another, yeah, I keep getting mixed up with After Earth. Another Earth and Sound of My Voice. I wasn't are, a big Another Earth guy, but no, I need to rewatch it. But I'm I'm thinking I'll like it way more than After Earth, dude. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but I loved both those two flicks. Um, so I'm excited to see what. Uh, uh, Zell Batman, uh, what's how do you pronounce his name? Was the oh, the writer director? Uh, Zell Batman oh, Gleesh, or whatever. Yeah, whatever. If your last name ends in a J, I'm not going to pronounce it right. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but her, she she writes, she directs, she acts, and with this partner here, they're they're two for two. I'm I'm on board. All right. I'm really looking forward to it, and it's getting great buzz out of the out of the uh, festivals. Cool. My third? Their third. The Bling Ring. I am excited as hell for The Bling Ring. Sophia Coppola doing the film, dude. Emma Watson, who I think really needs to do something a little more pushed in the envelope. Well, you need to see Perks of Being a Wallflower. You're right. You're right. Um, but I'm also very familiar with this story because I remember when the whole thing was unfolding... And I also remember the freaking chicks from Pretty What the chick from Pretty Wild who was part of this, the whole ring of teenagers and quote unquote adults that are on the age of nineteen that were basically just robbing celebrities' homes and wearing all their shit and basically living the high life off of them. I love the idea they made a movie on these people, not to give them any kind of buzz. But recognizing that if you're going to do it, a Coppola to me is a great choice because they're going to they're going to pretty it up in as much as they live the pretty life from it, but they're also going to show it as being gritty for what it is. They're not going to make it look like it's the right right way to do it. I cannot wait to see the Bling Ring. As I look at the Bling Ring, we saw Spring Breakers. I was excited to see Spring Breakers. Still don't know what I think of it. The Bling Rings, the movie, though, for the past few years, I've been looking forward to since I heard about it being done. Yeah. This could be an interesting movie. Yeah, no, I, I'm looking forward to that, too. And I like I like Sofia Coppola's mm. style, too. So, very good. My number three, I am not in any way, shape, or form a fan of Shakespeare. But when Joss Whedon... I knew Whedon, this would be on your list. If Joss Whedon's doing Shakespeare, I am on board. If Amy Acker is your star... Mm -hmm. I will watch her do anything. I'll watch her take out the garbage in the morning if that's what you want to show me. So Joss Whedon's Much Ado About Nothing. This would have been my number seven. I am I am yeah. on board. The trailer yeah. looks fantastic. It just looks like a bunch of classic Whedon actors just having a freaking blast. That's pretty much how it came about, is it not? Yeah. He was throwing a Whedon he was, party? He did it during... The, the Avengers film. Yeah, and, and just basically had his buddies together and... Did it at his own house. Yeah. I fucking it do. It looks, it looks yeah. great. And I'm on board with it. It's just, I mean, so many... I mean, Nathan Fillion, Amy Acker, Alexis Denisoff, Fran Kranz mm -hmm. is in this thing. Uh, 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 Greg Clark... Uh, Clark Greg? Clark Greg. Clark Greg. Yeah, the guy who played... Uh, uh, Coulson. Coulson, the, and the thing. He's in it. So, it, yeah, it, it just looks awesome. Mm -hmm. um, I'm on board with that. That's my number three. I knew I knew that was on your list somewhere. <laughs> number two, sorry, got to go big budget. Pacific Rim, dude. 
I I am a geek for Pacific Rim. I miss Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro films. For me, the last taste I had was that freaking horror movie, what, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark. But he didn't whatever. direct that. Movie. He didn't. He produced it. I think it was dreadful. It was. Um, old Katie Holmes. Yeah, and the little kid. And the, yeah, it the, got pushed back like a year and a half. This movie looks like it's going to be a return to what he does, what he does right. And it also looks like it's going to capture... Back when we were kids and thought mm-hmm. Godzilla movies were the shit. Yep. Which, in a say we don't now, but we look at them with a different eye. Then we looked at them like, ah, oh, giant Godzilla yeah. battling the other giant enemies. We didn't recognize the bad effects right. back then. This looks like we're going to recapture our youth in Pacific Rim. You got giant aliens coming to tear shit up? Fine, then we as the humans build giant robots that are human powered to battle those things too. And as cheesy as the whole thing sounded, the whole idea of it, one of them picking up a freaking battleship to use a baseball bat, I'm on board. That summer fucking fun right there, and I cannot wait for this movie. Right. Uh, my number two is Pacific Rim, yeah. too. <laughs> so I've really got nothing to add to that. We are so down for that movie, yeah, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Which, uh, and I said before when we were talking, I said I bet only one of our things matches, and that's the one I thought. So, with that said, what's your number one? Kick-Ass 2. All right. For me, it's Kick-Ass 2. Um, I, there aren't many movies I've watched as many times as I've seen Kick-Ass in the past three years, four years. This wouldn't have anything to do with your uh, inappropriate... No, with CGM. I, I will admit it's there. <laughs> I haven't done anything with it, so I can't yeah. be arrested. But god damn, she needs to turn 18 quick. <laughs> um, They're trying to turn her there. But I freaking loved Kick-Ass. And I I was a little scared when I heard they would do another one because I'm afraid it's going to tarnish that which I remember. But everything, everything I've seen in trailers, every character name I've seen, they're doing it right. Now granted, I haven't read any of the comics I don't know if this is technically going to be the second year of it. I, I have no idea. You're nodding at me like that. That I've is read, the intent. I've read Kick-Ass too, and it, it looks like that there's a lot of, of what happens. At in least tie-ins? Yeah. And, dude, with the early trailers, right down to Jim Carrey, who we have both said, yeah, I, I, well, he I needs like to do Jim something. Carrey. And I'm not a fan after his... His latest political rants. No, whatever, no. But, but the Captain Stars and Stripes, whatever his character. No, absolutely. Holy God, dude. Hey, come on. Christmas plants? I'm the motherfucker. I, oh, <laughs> fuck, dude. I cannot... Yeah, and, and what is it? The Night Bitch is one of yeah. them. And I cannot <laughs> wait for this movie. Yeah. This, to me, is the movie I am by far the most excited about seeing. That I cannot... It is up there about where Django was for me. I, I am just teasing for it's this. It's an film. August release, I believe. It is. Well, that, no, fair enough. Um, I, I'm definitely on board with the with with all your picks. My number one though is going to a movie I, I actually alluded to earlier in the podcast, The World's End. Mm-hmm. The new uh, Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Edgar Wright directed the third in the uh, uh, Blood and uh, Ice Cream trilogy, Blood uh, Three Flavors Cornetto. Trilogy, the Blood and Ice Cream movies. We had Shaun of the Dead, which is just an absolute classic, which never gets old. A movie you can pop in every day for like the next year and still love it as much at the end. 
And then the Hot Fuzz was part two, and now finally the world's end. Timothy Dalton having arguably the most disgusting death scene I've ever watched in a movie, yep. dude. Yeah. Um, no, I, I can't wait for this flick. I'm, I'm hoping that the, this is just another instant classic like Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. Uh, who knows? I mean, who knows if these guys are... Uh, I know Edgar Wright's teaming up with Marvel to do Ant-Man and... Who knows if uh, these guys are ever going to do a movie together again. So I'm I'm way on board with uh, The World's End. Nope, I, I agree, dude. That was my number six film, so... Right. And, and, and to be honest, we, we made this top five as, as something that said the other than Iron Man, Star Trek, and Man of Steel, I would argue that a lot of these actually would have trumped a couple of those movies off that <laughs> list. I think Man of Steel is probably my most anticipated of the summer, just what I've seen from the trailers. But as a result of the trailers, it is for me. Mm. Star Trek going into the season would have been, but the final trailer for Man of Steel pushed it over the top. Mm. It's brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, speaking of uh, big blockbusters of the summer, let's get on to our main uh, review of Iron Man 3. Stark. I build neat stuff. I got a great girl. And occasionally save the world. So I can't I sleep. You elected me on a single platform. I will defend this country at all costs. Stop. You don't know who I am. You will never see me come. What are you going to do about these attacks? The whole world's going to be watching. The question is, where is Tony Stark? Things are different now. I have to protect the one thing that I can't live without. That's you. Just to start. Today is the first day that was left of your life. So there we have it, the first big blockbuster of the summer. 
Iron Man 3. Um, pretty highly anticipated flick. Riding the coattails of probably, the, in my opinion, the greatest of the Marvel movies, the Avengers of last no summer. No question. Um, so pretty, pretty high standard to live up to. Um, you know, maybe not completely fair to judge it point for point because you've got a new director and Shane Black on board. You know, it's 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 different, and this needs to to serve as a bit of a standalone. You know, you have to sort of put the Avengers aside mm-hmm. a little bit here and stuff. Um, so with that said, um, does Iron Man 3 live up to your expectations or does it not quite stand up among Marvel's best? Or maybe that's too broad of a... Uh, because no, if you're like me, I think there's a lot of things that you're going to like about this. There's a lot of things that you're not going to like about this. <clears throat> I thought it had the look and feel that I was looking for for a Marvel film. It it captured Tony Stark. It captured Happy. Apparently. Pepper Potts has become an annoying bitch who thinks the world revolves around her. Um, this is not the movie I've been looking forward to, though. Well, and it sort of ties it 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 ties back into our discussion about movie trailers earlier, and not that this gave away anything. We're not from a spoiler oh, perspective. Oh, it went the other direction. But it, yo, know, it it lead you to believe you're going to see a certain movie and for about a half of a movie you see the movie you think you're going to see mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you're getting a completely different movie. Which I'm baffled at why they chose that approach to it. And I'm sure we're talking about a particular character. Oh, and then let's, let's be right up front with this. I, and I should have mentioned this right from the get. This is going to be a spoiler-ridden discussion. Okay, so if you have not seen Iron Man three and you want to, if if you if you don't want anything spoiled, and I'm dragging this out, turn it off now and come back after. Because from this point forward, we are going to discuss major spoiler plot points of this mm-hmm. movie. Spoiler, spoiler, spoiler! You have been warned. Go. As soon as they did the reveal of the Mandarin. As far as I'm concerned, every bit of wind deflated from that movie. It was gone. They were building an entertaining villain, a villain that people acknowledged right from the get-go when he was brought into it. When they were talking about the costumes, Marvel fan was going nuts that they'd chosen that character to basically say that they were building, that they gave you an imposter of it. I thought destroyed. Destroyed what could have been a great villain. Well, I, and and for the first half of this movie, I felt we had a great. Oh villain. my god, Kingsley in the first half of this flick is he's he's a villain, but but it plays off all of the classic modern day terrorist tropes, which is a perfect choice for an Iron Man movie. Absolutely, absolutely, especially he, with War Machine. Absolutely, uh, and Kingsley absolutely. 
Nice. I loved him in the role. Every bit of his of his stuff, even after the reveal, it's not his fault they went no, that way. No, no, he's no. great. I like him. In Kingsley it. is great all the way through, but he is absolutely just mesmerizing as Mandarin in the first half of this flip. Which isn't to say Mandarin's not in it, but the Mandarin right. you're led to believe isn't the Mandarin. He's, and it feels so anticlimactic at that point. He is a he is a complete bad. And this is what I've said: purists are going to go absolutely ape shit over this. Um, it's they've taken one of the iconic Iron Man villains and have completely rewritten who he is. Now, it, it, I'm not the purist. I'm not the purest guy, so I'm not the guy that's going to be like bullshit. I'm not the guy that's going to be You're raining down, right? Raining sulfur, right? If you do this right, because I'm, I'm the guy who thought that that the Watchmen movie at the ending that he completely did was a better idea. I totally agree. So I'm not that guy, but this here, I would have had a lot better. I it, I would have reconciled this a lot better with myself. If they hadn't turned him into a bumbling idiot. Right. Because that, he he was so mesmerizing and so terrifying when he's the Mandarin up front. When you think he's this terrorist, to completely under undercut him and turn him into this just did not mesh at I'm all. I'm not even certain I understand why they did. What Jude Law's character did not need to have the change. Guy Pierce. I, oh, wow. I, <laughs> why do I confuse those two? Yeah, Guy uh, Pierce, the other Jude Law. Right. Guy Pierce, who I like. Yeah. But they didn't need to have his character be that character. They could have had them working together. Guy I like, Pierce should have been the flunky. And I Mandarin liked the idea been, that yeah. Guy Pierce was the douchebag. Who Tony Stark pissed off mm-hmm. right from the get-go. Who then says that I'll latch myself onto a terrorist organization yep. with this chick who was a one-night stand of Tony yep. Stark's and turn it into something. Fuck him. Yep. He's the one who insulted me, so I'll turn it into something. Not have him be that something. That didn't work for me yep. whatsoever. Yeah. I felt cheated by it. Yeah, and, and like I said, even even if they had to go this route, I would have been a lot better with it. If they had just not, all of a sudden he's just, oh, I'm just Trevor Slattery, right. soccer fan, oh, 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 this kind of stuff. I, you know, he was he turned into a complete that was bad script work and bad idiot. bad directing at that point. <coughs> oh, it was really and, poor choices. And and the script writing at that point, everything just seemed to to just fall off the freaking edge. The first the, the first half of this movie is absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. The second half. It completely loses its footing. Yeah, the, yeah, and, and what? It's funny because early on, I found myself thinking, "This is an Iron Man movie that's had very little of Iron Man yet." It's a Tony Stark movie, which is I'm going to get on that. Board. It's it's a very interesting choice mm-hmm. post Avengers, but I could live with it because it was written in such a way that you were seeing Stark struggling with what happened in New York City. Right. And that's in all the trailers. Fine. I like that idea. They should have something that tells them, you know, we fucking went through an awful lot to save this world. Well, and here, and here's... And, and I'm going to take that point, and I'm going to say that there is... 
virtually no mention of the Avengers in this flick. No. I mean, they're, they're, they reference, oh, what happened to you in New York and this kind of stuff. But here you have a global terrorist. Mm-hmm. And at this point, after what the Avengers have done, how do you call on War Machine over Captain America to That's save your bacon? <laughs> That's a great point. And, and all of his buddies. It, we, we have to stop the Mandarin now. Get me War Machine. And I, really? Am I wrong in thinking they waited way too long to even call War Machine into this? They're at... Mandarin's has said he's got, what, like six things he's going to do or five things? Mm-hmm. They're at number two. Mm-hmm. Before they're like, you know, the, the dude in the armor who's been working for us, it's it's time to turn you on. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. We have a terrorist act that's going on on our own turf. Move number five of the, to, of the five... He gets called in to stop yeah. this bullshit. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going, why are you waiting this long? How many people need to die at this point right. before you've opted to dial in the well, important guys? And, and I get that the Hulk is a bit of an anomaly, and the Hulk's going to be out for a joke. Thor, he lives in the heavens. Probably no way to even get a hold of that dude. Um, Hawkeye and, and Black Widow, not the ones you're necessarily going to call. But Captain? But you're well. Look, you have Captain America, which you make no reference to even where this dude is. You have and you have access to Iron Man, Tony yeah. Stark, and, and nothing's even referenced. Like, hey, think you can get, get your buddies on the horn and take care of this guy? But there is absolutely no reference whatsoever to any of that. This is Tony Stark's problem from start to finish. He has to deal with it. And even he doesn't even even allude to maybe I need help here. Mm-hmm. Um, Shane Black was the director here, and he dates back to like the Lethal Weapon movies and things like that. And a lot of this film plays off more like a Lethal Weapon flick, no especially question. at the end, than it ever does. It, I, I, you have you have Tony Stark and 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 Colonel Rhodes with their pistols drawn and this kind of stuff, and it looked like Murtaugh and Riggs half the time. I didn't like that at all, dude. Well, a part of it for me was, like, through the whole thing, Tony Stark, especially when he uh, he comes into the, the Mandarin, when he goes down to Miami and stuff, and all of a sudden he's shooting and dropping this and stuff. That's not Tony Stark. No. Tony Stark is, he even admits it in the movie, he's a man in a can. Mm-hmm. That's where he generates his skills and his powers from is being Iron Man. He's not some like super assassin. And what I find comical about it is they had him go back through Tony Stark after that scene. And it's the scene where Iron Man, the suit, goes to uh Air Force One mm. and then saves all the people and he's talking when the suit gets hit by the truck, exploded, then it cuts yeah. back. No, he and was actually controlling it with his mind the whole time. So they they go back to the Tony Stark we know. Right. But they had that weird interlude in the middle where he's creating Christmas bulbs that are grenades. And I, and yeah. I, I really struggle with that. Well, it, the, the whole thing, too. It's like, and I like Robert Downey Jr. in this role. I like, I like the Tony Stark character. But, he, like I said, he, he, you know, this whole premise, if he is Iron Man... But he spends 90% of this movie outside of the Iron Man suit. So basically what you've told me, and that was a classic example, was the Air Force One scene where he's basically... What you're basically telling me is that any kid that's good at Xbox can be Iron Man. Right. 
That's the way this movie played off, dude. Because half the time, he's, it's like he's playing a video game. Or somebody else is Iron Man. Yeah. And it, that, to me, this movie did as much to damage what you think that Iron Man can and can't be. Because it suddenly meant that Iron Man and Tony Stark are two different people. Yeah, And absolutely. I don't know that that's a good thing. Um, apparently, Pepper Potts can be Iron Man in the costume. Admittedly, yeah. and, and that's not un, that's not unheard of. The, no, the, the, the um, comic the comic books have gone in those directions. Mm-hmm. Where where Stark is all about creating the suits, but he still does his superhero work while he's in the suit, and we just you know he doesn't do it from behind. The, uh, he's not the Wizard of Oz. He doesn't do everything. Behind the curtain, mm-hmm. he is Iron Man. And the entire final battle scene, where it was just convenience after convenience of the suits flying in at the right time or running into people at the right time. What I what I did what I hated about the finale scene was a couple of things. Well, first of all, in this this didn't just, it wasn't just the finale scene. Every time. You're lo- you're waiting for, and you're finally getting up this crescendo, and you're finally going to get that badass Iron Man moment. Immediately, they cut to some comedic thing. Mm-hmm. The the Air Force One scene, this big dramatic thing, which eh, whatever, it's very blockbustery. I don't know if it's if it's one of those just bullshit moments that you have to deal with with these types of movies. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. He, he get this thing, and all of a sudden, he gets run over by a truck. Completely takes the wind out of the sails of that thing. Yep. Same thing. It, one of the most difficult pieces I had with this movie was his hand was was Stark's reaction to what he assumed was the death of Pepper. You've you've have built this entire movie up to be I can't live without you. I'm having anxiety attacks. This is all about his relationship with Pepper. And she's just died. And you're just not giving me the drama I need at this point. He's cracking wise. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Not two minutes later, he's like, oh, the prodigal son returns. Here comes the Mach 42 suit. And then we've just seen Pepper die, quote unquote. And and the suit falls apart. Oh, whatever. Whatever. Really, that is not what this what this scene needed right now. You needed some more drama, some more yeah. heartfelt stuff. It's just, and it's almost like Shane Black didn't trust his own movie enough to where he had to distract you with all of his his cartoonish stuff around it. I totally agree. Um, <clears throat> I, I it just it 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 felt too. Uh, there was too much of the humor. I, I was waiting for that big, climactic, badass Iron Man just beat your ass down moment, and it didn't happen. Yep. And when it had the chance to happen, he inserts comedy. Yep. And I just thought that was a fail. And, and what really bums me out is, and this goes back to the trailer comment, everything about that trailer built this up to be like it was going to be a major major bunch of battling 
a whole lot of tragedy going on. Mm -hmm. Tony Stark was really going to have to have some kind of deep inner understanding of what's going on. And at no point did I end up there. No. Yeah, okay, so suddenly he's having anxiety attacks, which went away during the final battle, apparently, which, if he's going to have an anxiety attack, Pepper just supposedly died in front of right. you. That may cause one. Right. But no, it's gone. And they, they built such... They built a structure that didn't hold up in the end. Yeah. They built all this world, and it was not called into play in the final freaking battle, which meant the entire movie fell apart in my mind. Right, but dude. <laughs> I mean, they certainly they certainly give you a vulnerable Tony Stark, but then they put him in situations as Tony Stark, not as Iron Man. As Tony Stark, that you just don't, you just haven't seen Tony Stark in. Like I said, the whole Merton Riggs feel to the end there. Tony Stark, the whole how he how he escapes the uh, the the bitch in the uh, the bar. Oh, dude! Um, you, you mean in the end with the explosion where he yeah. opens the ice chest door and the fire stops on the well, upper half, but apparently yeah. the lower half. Well, is here's fine. the other thing. <laughs> He 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 finally traps. Um, I can't remember Guy Pierce's character's name, Aldrich, Aldrich whatever, Kinsley, yeah, Kinsley. stuff like that. In the Mach Forty Two, has Jarvis blow it up. Okay, he survives that, but doesn't survive when Pepper hits him with a pipe and he blows up there. That was a far less of an explosion than what he just survived two minutes earlier. They had no sense of what would kill any of these units created yeah, by you, this. You know, yes, it's, that's just it. You, it was very it was difficult going. to determine what actually killed them versus what. what because on Air Force One, he killed one just by shooting yeah. him in the chest with the Iron Man blast. Yeah, and I'm going, but the dude so, completely blows up earlier. Apparently, he didn't back. get his heart. That's the only thing I can come up with. And and what was. What was his motivation to be an international terrorist anyway? Other okay, than I slighted by Tony Stark. Well, that's, that's all we've seen. That's it. Oh, we know that thirteen <laughs> years ago, he's he's slighted by Tony Stark. So I, I get that there's that he needs some vengeance against Tony Stark. But what what is his point for even bringing the Mandarin into the fold? Or this guy to be the Mandarin. What what was the point of blowing all the shit up? Because it wasn't Tony Stark. His he had no interest in Tony Stark until Tony Stark called him out. Right. I'll even go. What, so what was, was his the motivation? entire point with him even appearing at Stark Industries anyway to see Pepper Potts? I haven't figured that out because it's not like he needed money. It's yeah. not like they did it for any reconnaissance. He just appeared there looking apparently for support from Stark Industries for his project, which he'd been using for terror forever. So was it solely to build a tie between he and Pepper? But if that was the case, they did nothing with it. It was totally pointless to the entire film, yet that's how Happy found out about it. Yeah. It, it, there's no reason for this to even have happened. That's true. I didn't even think about that. I'm watching the whole time going, is there going to be a reference to it? There was nothing. It, it was a totally unneeded piece of the film. 
except for building some kind of jealousy thing in Tony Stark. And maybe that was the intent. But it didn't play anywhere. Maybe, yeah, it, it didn't go anywhere. All it gave was lucky, a re- uh, lucky, happy a reason to follow the guy, apparently, to manage Chinese theater. Well, Rebecca Hall's character. What was her motivation? What was her point? She has a she has a one night stand. She's a she's a she's a botanist who's doing work with uh, with regeneration. Um, has a one nighter with uh, Stark back in ninety nine. Then you don't hear from her, and then all of a sudden she just shows up at his door. Is it to warn him? Is it to to do whatever? Because later on we find out that she's in cahoots with these guys, mm-hmm. but. Is she or isn't she? Because she she wants to save Tony, but yet she wants to capture the, her character. And then it's just a completely anticlimactic end to her. Oh, God, that was horrible, dude. She just, they they just chose no the point. worst way out with her character. There was just no point to it. Ending it that way, I'm going, then why would they have carried her along at this point anyway? As soon as she went back to Tony's place, they would have killed her off. I feel like Shane Black made more of a Lethal Weapon movie than he did an Iron Man movie. I totally agree. I and, and, and you know what? I'll sit there and I'll say that at no point is this movie ever unentertaining. Oh, and I'll watch it again. It's you know this is one of those movies that if you're doing something and it's on in the corner, it'll yeah. be fine. There are there are good moments. The first half of this flick is great. Anything with Ben Kingsley as the Mandarin. But as soon as that gets opened up, dude. And it's interesting because if you look back at the trailer, which we which I we both agree is is was brilliant marketing, um, because you honestly you don't. He says in the trailer, "You'll never see me coming," and it turns out to be fairly prophetic, because halfway through this movie, you don't see this coming. No. Um, and then to make him just just sort of this goob doesn't mesh with the character that you had to begin with. You don't you don't believe that this guy pulled this off. Mm-mm. No, it, it just the wind gets taken right out of this movie's sails. It, it, it really it could have been something so much better. And what I believe wholeheartedly they thought was going to be a great turn of events mm. destroyed the movie. It really, really destroyed the movie. Mm. I don't hate it. I don't but, hate oh my God, this is, as far as, this is it's the a weakest op- of it the It feels three. like a missed opportunity. No question. Um, I, I think it had some good ideas. I'm not, I'm not against the fact that Black took some liberties. I mean, this, this, but, but what I have issue with here is, is all creative driven mm-hmm. it's if the movie had ended with Ben Kingsley as the Mandarin and be fine if he gets taken down fine or escapes fine whatever and Guy Pierce is himself working with the Mandarin that little change would have made a completely different movie hmm. and they I, I'm not even certain I understand why they did what they did I I, I don't get the reasoning behind it other than just trying to turn that one little bit of vengeance at Tony Stark into the reason for creating the Mandarin. Right. It, that's fine if it works. Didn't work. 
No, no. Not to me anyway. No, it did, it didn't me either. Like I said, I, I didn't find it to be an unentertaining flick, mm. but just missed opportunities, missed big missed opportunities, and not not necessarily in a Dark Knight Rises type way where there oh, were just God, no. these these blaring plot holes. Where you're like, well, how did that get from there to there? This one here for me was just all missed opportunities creatively. You took it in a direction. That I just don't think worked. Mm-hmm. So I said going, in, I said after the first viewing of this flick that I was at a three out of five, and that a second viewing would either sway me to a three and a half or down to a two and a half. It's definitely taken me down to a two and a half, uh, and, and I'm going to have to convince myself to keep it there. Unfortunately, and it's one of those things, like you said, with Rob Zombie. I'm such a fan of these Marvel movies and the stuff that I, I, I may be giving it more credit. And this one's even harder because we now know this is Whedon's universe too. Well, yeah, but I mean, this but, one was well underway by the yeah, time that contract well, was signed. And he's more of a he's just an overseer. Yeah, he's an overseer. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to sit at two and a half out of five for now. Um, and just, just it, disappointing in the in the way they, the direction they took it. Perfect number for me, two and a half. It, were there was there bits of entertainment? Certainly, there was mm-hmm. eye candy to this movie. But the liberties they took and the way they pulled them off just really, really destroyed the movie for me. I did not get anything of what I was hoping to get, right. and in the end, I just came away feeling all right. I just. So I guess just a bunch of explosions that meant nothing. Right. All right. So there you have it. We're at two hours. Uh, we will be back with episode number two in two weeks when we review Star Trek. Star Trek Into Darkness, and we will have other other tomfoolery and shenanigans to get into between now and then. As we do. As we do. So there is the first episode of the Slice and Dice podcast. Uh, we are on Twitter at popninjas.com. We do have a Facebook page. Like us, love us, and we will see you in two weeks. Later. Later.